Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 83 of the Tall, Dark, and Ratchet podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Williams, and I'm joined today by none other than Nicole Ben-Dian. Did I say that right? You did. You did. See, it's a struggle out here in these streets. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome for being. Thanks. To being had. All right. So now let's get right into it. Now, um, do you remember how we met? Uh, I think so. I think I think so. Well, you should remember more than... I remember, but I would like to hear what your, because of course, you know, you only ever have your perception of how a situation took place, right? So I, I have a recollection, but I don't know if my story matches up with yours. I'd like to hear yours because I've never heard it. I, it was a long time ago. Many moons ago. It was many years have passed, Um, but I think it was just, you were drunk on the street and tried to hit on me. And then I was just like, Here's my Instagram instead. Bye. All right. So is that not? Is that what's your... I mean, my story, I feel like has a little bit more context. Okay. So the reason I was drunk on the street was my birthday. Okay. What so street was it? Where... It was definitely, well, this is from what I remember where I was. I was leaving warehouse. Okay. So Queen Street. Correct. Okay. So now, by the time I I had met you, I threw up everywhere, <laughs> and there's a video of that as oh, well. You. So, anyways, I I do remember bumping into you. You had a friend at the time. I exchanged Instagrams, and then of course that was it. This is our first time seeing each other since that moment. It is. So this is technically our first date. No, it's not. All right. <laughs> so with that being said, you are a nutritionist or what would you give me the long form of the designation i I am a cycle syncing nutritionist is like my colloquial name um but by trade a certified holistic nutritionist okay so now what is like the main thing that that entails because to me when i hear nutritionist i just think food but what are some of the other elements that fall into this so holistic nutrition is like looking at every aspect of someone's life, how everything interacts and how each of your systems interact and how to support that through like food, nutrition, lifestyle. Um, I focus specifically on women's health and menstrual health, hence the cycle syncing, um, because most women don't know that they should be tailoring their nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle to the four different phases of their menstrual cycle. And when we're able to do that, the benefits are really cool. So now here's the thing. Mm. They always say that men should stay out of women's business. Bullshit. Now, I'm consumed by women's business. Oh. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite things on the planet. And there's some things that I need to get that are very specific out of you. Oh. But what kind of, what drew you to focusing on this aspect of the nutritionist lifestyle is the cycle sinking? Yeah. So I was in nutrition for a while. Like I've always loved food and nutrition. Um, and then... I was living in Vietnam for a while and started a nutritional food product business. So I was like, I need certification. So I like went through the formal training. Um, And then I went off of birth control and I had been experiencing like a lot of bad symptoms off birth control and told that like none of them had to do with it. But then I went off of it and all of my symptoms went away. So I was like, okay, that's bullshit. Um, So then I started doing research into hormones and like women's menstrual hormones and like I knew they affected us but like didn't know how um and how each of the fluctuations did and then I realized uh I noticed that there was four phases to my menstrual cycle and when I found that information out I was like dumbfounded because I thought that I was an educated person in the wellness space for so long like really into biohacking and all these things And I was like 23 before I realized that there was four phases to my fucking menstrual cycle. Um, And that just showed me that we're not taught anything. And then the more research that I did into it, the more I saw it, I was like, this is really messed up that we don't know this. Well, there's a lot of things that we're not taught that I feel like are very detrimental to how we carry ourselves throughout our lives. So now I want to get into the four phases and I want to know what they are as a man, because for me, I mean, if we're being honest here, I know two phases of a menstrual cycle. I'm on it and I'm not. <laughs> so go. I would like to know what are the four phases of a menstrual cycle? Okay. So the menstrual cycle itself, it starts the first day of the bleed and then goes into the first day of the next bleed. Um, and the first phase is the menstrual phase when you're on it, when you're actually bleeding. And that should last like between five and seven days. 
And then you go into the follicular phase where estrogen is rising. Your body's like being prepared to release an egg. And then it's the ovulatory phase where you're actually ovulating. Your hormones like peak up. And then you go into your luteal phase, which is when estrogen like dips, but then comes up and steadies out a little bit and progesterone really rises. Um, and that's where a lot of women will experience PMS symptoms and have all of those fun times. Look now, PMS, that's something I know ah. <laughs> uh, firsthand. I feel like men suffer from PMS, but it doesn't necessarily fall in because we don't have obviously a menstrual cycle. But yeah. I think, you know, we go through our little ups and downs, maybe because our body's doing something funky dunky. I don't know, whatever. We're not going to dive into that because I don't know shit about it. And I'm not even that curious about it. We're here <laughs> talking about the ladies and what's going on down there. So you, you said that you weaned off of birth control. Now, now I feel like we're in an era where with the internet and certain documentaries, we can kind of see a lot of the negative effects yeah. of birth control. Yeah. So did you get off of birth control because of the symptoms that were directly correlating to them? Or was it more like, well, I don't necessarily need to be on birth control. And then you started to realize how your body was reacting after the fact. So I guess like four or five years in is when I started experiencing symptoms. But then I went to my doctor and they were like, you're fine. It's either in your head or it's not related. Like here's a prescription for something else. Um, and I stayed on it because it was also convenient. Like I had never had to worry about anything, you know? And then... I, but like in my head intuitively for a long time, I'm like, who are you without synthetic hormones? Like you've been on synthetic hormones pretty much since you had these hormones. So like, who are you without them? Knowing now, like what all these hormones are doing and like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, who are you? Um, so it was really that, that stemmed it. And yeah. So, okay. Now there's a, um, a cavalcade of different types of birth controls, right? Mm -hmm. Are there some that are better than others or you're just like, no, they're all trash. So I'm not even necessarily against birth control, but I'm very much so against not having informed consent. Mm. And I don't think that we're given informed consent when we go on it. Um, because like, so there are different types of birth control that have like a range. So there's the, combination pill, which is the one that has progesterone or progestin and estrogen. Um, and that's the most common one. Um, and then there's a few other ones that only have progestin. And then there's like the copper IUD that causes an inflammatory response. So with all of the other birth controls, yeah, I, you're having synthetic hormones going through your system. Your systems are getting disconnected. Um, and your hormones are pretty much out of whack to a certain degree because they're just synthetic and like you, you're not relying on your own hormones. Okay. So now are there any alternatives to the synthetic stuff that obviously, I mean, there's contraceptives, but is there anything else that, you know, women can use or men can take part in that would be, I, I don't know, like a fine medium without the synthetic, but also not just relying on God to not get well, you pregnant. It's not relying on God. That's like the huge thing is that if you're or like, if you're having a regular cycle, you're only actually fertile for seven days with a month. Hmm. So the whole process of it is that sperm can actually live within the body for five days. So five days before you ovulate. <laughs> Yo, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> listen, listen, hold on, hold on, hold on. So that means, look, gentlemen, just so you know, if you're going down on someone, just know someone else's nut could still be lingering in there <laughs> because it lasts about five days. And, you know, some of us are out here busting willy nilly. It could just marinate in there. So, yeah. so hold on. So what are the odds then that let's say I nut on Monday in said person and then come Wednesday, some other dude nuts. Is it possible that person A or I guess? Yeah. that Okay. Hold on. Yeah. It's I'm not trying the to last figure out my one math. has been the. I'm just trying to see who's, whose little guys might win the race if both nuts are marinating in there. You, whoever makes it there first. Look, challenge accepted. <laughs> I'm here to take your nuts on. My nut will win. All right, so anyways, back to what you were saying. So, so you are fertile for seven days. Yeah. Men's sperm lingers in there for five days. Yeah, and then you actually ovulate, which is when the egg gets released. Right. And then the egg is only viable for 48 hours, about so that's the seven day window. And during that seven day window, you can either 
use different methods, like use condoms, abstain, or like pull out. And at least, you know, um, but for the women out there, it's important that you track it properly. Um, and it's not just like calendar tracking. Cause that doesn't take into consideration, um, like your luteal or your follicular phase being a little bit longer sometimes. Um, so you track your symptoms and you understand your fertility. So there's basal body temperature. So, and then there's cervical mucus and cervical position that can all notify you when you're going, like when you are fertile. So then you track that and you're able to, it's like 96% effective when done properly. I like those odds. Um, still weaker than condoms, but I like those numbers. So, yes. so if I'm understanding correctly and correct me if I'm wrong, cause I, of course, I don't want to put out any misinformation here. So you're saying that if done properly, you know, they followed all the, all the steps, mm-hmm. but there's a, a good few weeks where you could just bust willy nilly and there's not even any eggs in there that might catch a stray. Yeah. Whoops. That's, that's, not, that's the opposite reaction. We all reaction. have time for that. <laughs> we definitely all have time for that. Yes. Um, okay. So there's the, the four, what is it? Four parts of the, the menstrual cycle? Four yeah. phases of the menstrual cycle. Okay. So that's if you're doing things properly. Or is it just in general, like even if I'm like, you know, not paying attention to anything that you're saying and I'm just kind of going willy nilly, I got birth control on Monday and then tomorrow I'm. Well, birth control changes your cycle. So most birth controls are monophasic, meaning it's like only one phase. Um, So like the hormones that are being released are only specific to one phase. So like you're having that one phase for 21 days and then you have a false period. Um, So you're not actually ovulating, you're not releasing an egg in most cases. Some of the birth control um, suppresses ovulation, but not consistently. So it's like harder to tell. Um, but yeah, it's a natural cycle and it should be between like 38 and or sorry, 28 and 34 days. Um, but if you have a hormonal imbalance that is preventing you from ovulating, um, then you wouldn't have all those phases. So what, if you could pinpoint to just whatever, one thing, a bunch of things, what would make it so that a woman's menstrual cycle or not necessarily a menstrual cycle, but when she's ovulating or when she's actually going through the bloody phase that it may last longer than someone else. Yeah. So, I mean, that's reliant. If it's within the realm of 28 to 34 days, like you're safe, that's a good um, amount of time. If it's anything before uh, anything more or anything less, uh, that's concerning. And also if your bleed phase, like your menstrual phase is anything less than like three days or anything more than like seven or eight days, that's also a sign that something's wrong. Um, and usually those are because of different hormones that are involved in the process or other underlying issues that could be involved. Hmm. Because I, yeah, again, this is all just secondhand from my experience, but I kind of find that depending on the person, like I I've heard before where, yeah, some people will be three days, but then I've heard some girls where it's like almost, two weeks in which their menstrual, like when they're bleeding or at least they feel like there still might be something that might show up. I have people message me and be like, I have been bleeding for three months straight. Um, Is there something I can do? And I'm like. (laughs) That's a lot of blood. (laughs) Three months? Three months. Yeah, it's wild. And you go to the doctor and they're like, go on birth control or you're fine or get a hysterectomy. It's like, so what is a hysterectomy? Because I've heard this before, but I actually don't know what it is. Is when you remove your organ. Wait, 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 wait. Which organs getting removed? Your uterus. And like, sometimes your your the whole thing, like, uh, your ovaries as well as the fallopian tubes and the uterus. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So what do you put in there? PS5? Like wh- with all that space, <laughs> what are all you that doing? Space. It's less than the size of your fist. I've messed up some uteruses in my day. I don't know if it's less than the size of my You haven't messed up uteruses. You <laughs> messed up maybe Listen, vaginal canals. No, no, no. uterus. Speak for yourself and your own experiences. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've damaged a one-two uterus in my day. I don't even know what a fucking uterus really is, to be honest with you. This goes to show you how uneducated I am. Now, um, hold on. There was another thing I wanted to ask about that. Um... Uh, oh, right. So how was it that, like, you got to explain this shit to me because this is, this is like some sci-fi shit to me. How is it that women's 
cycles can sync up. Because I can get how, you know, you can, you know, eat better and do certain things in your life to kind of control, I guess, to have a more regular, you know, phasing of your menstrual cycle. But to just like sync up like Power Rangers, like the, <laughs> the closer you are to your homegirl, that math is not mathing for me. Um, honestly, there's no like research that I found um, that has any merit to that. Obviously, we all have experienced that in some degrees, um, but couldn't couldn't give you the answer to that one. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so now this is really what I, I want to get at. And this is like the thing that like Don't really I'm very obsessed about. Mm. It's almost it's actually problematic how obsessed I am over it. But if, if anyone knows me, they've known I've had certain conversations with people because of this. Should be nervous. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm very into fragrances. OK. OK. So I, you know, you, you walk in, you, you see you got diffusers, there's little candles and stuff like that. Like I did I'm very notice that it big, smelled. Great. Yeah, I'm yeah. very big on the fragrance. Mm -hmm. So whenever, you know, something might be a little off, mm -hmm. it's an uncomfortable conversation. And I know there's a multitude of different things that could affect this, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in my experience, the most common thing, and I don't know if this is something that you talk about or not, but again, going back to how we're not very educated on these things at a younger age. And that's what leads people to being, you say you were 23 when you figured something out, but I'm speaking to women who are now in their thirties who yeah. are just oblivious okay. to these things. So now bacterial vaginosis. Okay. Now I, I'm, I have a very general understanding of kind of how these things can come about. I mean, I think the biggest thing is just the pH balance is kind of off. And I know sometimes men can be held accountable for this by, you know, putting some Cheeto fingers all up in there, oh, some chicken wings on so wing night, um, you know, or just even the bacteria from our man area colliding with a woman's. Mm. Now, are there things and we can speak to it dietary wise or just in general, if you're familiar with bacterial vaginosis, that would help prevent this from being either a regular occurrence or just avoiding it and just having, um, you know, Yeah. So that goes down really significantly to the microbiome in the body. Um, so you are like, you have bacteria in your body always like your microbiome everywhere in your body. Um, and the vagina is no different. And if you have an imbalance between good bacteria and bad bacteria, then the like opportunistic bacteria will override it. And then you'll experience these things. Um, bacterial vaginosis is really common for people that have birth or are on birth control, um, because birth control can disrupt your flora. Mm. And so that is a huge thing. Um, is there a specific type of birth control? Like, do you find like an IUD versus a synthetic something or other? Like, uh, no, I think they all have an effect because it's, it's also like systemic, right? So if you have poor bacteria in your gut, it like, there's reasons for that. And it can also be like vaginally, which can allow for the bad bacteria to like overrun it. So now I'm. Um, fortunate that one of my close friends is a doctor. So whenever I have these kind of weird conversations mm -hmm. or things that, uh, you know, uh, questions that I have, they're very quick to being able to just give me that insight. So now for someone, because again, like how old should we be educating people on these things? Cause if I go back to like when Children. I was in, I agree. So when I was a kid, I remember like they'd have these like weird ass videos with puppets and stuff that they try oh, to show God. you to help, you know, figure out your body. And then I was fortunate where my seventh grade teacher kind of had us once a week, sit around in a circle, any questions that we might've had, he, and he was very candid in answering them. So I thought that was very constructive awesome. too, but it's one of these things where too many times, am I the person who has to, I have to be the person to bring it up to this woman, yeah. right? Where I can honestly say that I have experienced secondhand BV more than most women will probably ever experience in their entire life. Meaning that if a woman usually gets BV once, twice, she's kind of like, 
aware of this when it shows up. I mean, also to say that BV can go uh, with no symptoms. Right. By the way. So So I'm talking exclusively symptoms. But are we talking BV or are you also talking about like yeast infections? We're not there yet. Okay. We're not there yet. That's a separate conversation. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like with yeast infections, there's some more visible signs when it's like, or maybe I'm wrong, but again, based on my experience, for me, the, the biggest distinguishing factor is with BV, most things seem to be functioning properly, but there's just a very pungent aroma Mm. um so now is there an easy tell to make a distinction between let's say if it's a yeast infection if it's maybe an sti or if it's bv like is there something that's just like a telltale sign that's like oh no that's what it is aside from obviously just going to a doctor and getting to the bottom of it that would be ideal um and also if you go to the doctor like a lot of the times they'll just prescribe you um antibiotics which can actually cause you more harm because if you're already having an issue with your gut health and like with your bacterial health, um, antibiotics will kill the good bacteria and the bad bacteria, which will just allow more bacterial resistance. Um, is there a telltale sign? I mean, like you said, obviously with the yeast infections, there's that textured cottage cheese yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. There. Um, and obviously the scent and obviously for the women scratch, like itchy burning sensations are a huge sign, but that can show up with yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis. Is there, cause obviously with like pH and stuff like that, there's dietary things that can kind of come into play. Now, obviously if I'm a doctor, I'm just going to give you antibiotics. Now, are there certain things that, you know, a woman can eat that would, be preventative and then if she was to run into this more a holistic approach to mm-hmm. helping out bv or yeast or anything yeah, else. yeah totally um i would say first of all avoid anything that is inflammatory and that feeds the bacteria um so that is they feed on glucose um which is sugar so if you're consuming a lot of sugar especially processed refined flours and sugars um that is just fueling it Um, And then there's a lot of things that you can do to um, encourage the growth of the good bacteria. So incorporating things like kimchi and sauerkraut, um, kombucha is great. Um, Taking those probiotics, uh, taking women specific probiotics is really beneficial also. Um, And then as per the pH levels, like your body has different levels of pH throughout it. Um, But you want to consume foods that leave what's called like an ash like the alkaline ash. So, um, you know, lemons are really great for that. And yeah, you can consume a bunch of different foods that help support positive pH, but then it's also really, really, really important to avoid foods that, um, encourage like the acidic ash, uh, which would be again, like the refined foods and the processed and the like sugars and like really simple things. What's a boric suppository? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> So now here's the thing, and this might this might be exclusively black culture. So maybe you know, I me being a man, and you being you know a bit fair of the skin. So now let me pull this up you can here. Call me white. Yeah, you, kind of. I'm a Jew. It's not. There you go. So, so okay, a boric acid suppository. Mm. Okay, they do know what it is. Okay, so you know what that is. All right, I was about to revoke your designation. I'm just kidding. Um, so now I don't know what it is. So it's essentially, it says here when used in a capsule as a vaginal suppository, boric acid is known to sometimes cause skin irritation, but Mm -hmm. when used by mouth internally, sometimes open wounds. Oh, this is all just negative stuff. Yeah. So I would avoid that. Instead, I would consume, um, like you can use antifungals and antibacterials. So things like taking oregano oil is really good. Um, clove is really good. Tea tree oil. If you have a yeast infection, you can dilute some tea tree oil in, um, like a carrier oil, um, like coconut oil, and then like insert it, um, really diluted though, like one, two drops within this oil. And that can really help with, um, killing off the bacteria. Interesting. Um, it's really good for yeast infections. So are there any other things that we might be able to just cure holistically that might be sexually transmitted? Like if I just, you know, all of a sudden I got myself hit with a little bit of gano rather than just taking a couple of random horse pills from a walk-in <laughs> clinic, is there like a con- concoction where I can just, you know, take a little bit of mushroom pee and like this, that, and third, and all of a sudden uh, some DMT and I'm blessed? 
Uh, that is beyond my scope of practice. But what I would say is that you can protect yourself by um, supporting your body and like having good and optimized health. Right. So the best thing that you can do is to prevent it from happening. So not even allowing yourself to have that like fertile ground for it to grow and to like proliferate. Right. So you want to make sure that your immune system is good. You really, really want to make sure that your um, your microbiome is good and like your good bacteria is up there. Um, and that will hopefully. But also, yeah, no, I'm not going to tell any of these kids to. Yeah, no, I'm very pro probiotic. Um, I always got, you know, some kimchi on deck. Mm -hmm. I, I drink um, my doctor friend told me because I was chugging these fucking kombuchas back. So she, she told me she was like, no, one third of a kombucha a day is essentially the required amount that you would need to be mm -hmm. able to, you know, move towards a proper gut health. Mm -hmm. um, so is there any like specific diet where i can just be bulletproof from all things down there obviously there's some like things that. where it's like if we're talking open sores and so on and so forth but like if we're talking solely like some shit that's just trying to crawl through my pee pee hole i need to have some like defense blockers if i'm eating like you know yogurt and pineapples i it just kind of like you know backhands the chlamydia and the gonorrhea just <laughs> um I also really want to question who you're sleeping with that you're that concerned about all of these STDs. Listen, the streets haven't been friendly in a while. Well, and to be fair, and this is me being very candid, <laughs> yes, and I've spoken please. about this before, I've had one STI, which okay. is chlamydia, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I know very much where I got that from. Mm -hmm. And that was a, you're asking me who I'm sleeping with, where I should be afraid. That was a person where I wish the condom hadn't broke and it did. And guess uh, what? I had to rough. pay for the recourse. Correct. Rough. But now in terms of uh, bacterial vaginosis, that to me, I, I find to be significantly more common, mm -hmm. almost because of the lack of education where women might even just try to like, not necessarily suppress Ooh, it, yeah, but just yeah, like yeah. mask it a bit, yeah, thinking it's something that really might just bad. come and go. Yeah. And then it ends up being this really, you know, tragic thing. Cause I've seen even situations where, and not to, you know, put somebody's business out there, but I'm not going to mention who they are. And this happened many, many moons ago, but there was a woman who I didn't sleep with. Mm. However, the person that she was sleeping with w ended up having sex with her. And then the tampon was lodged in there for like a week. And then there was a very pungent oh, fragrance. Well, yeah, that and it can also it kill, kill you. you. Yes, of course. We're not here to talk about the fatalities because that's sad. It's tragic. However, Holy luckily, she's still alive today. Good. She didn't get TSS. That's great. But uh, during that time, something died and it just wasn't pleasant and it was just oh, unfortunate. I have a really fucked up story. If you want to hear, a really oh, listen. Up story. <laughs> First of all, if there's ever a place where you could have a fucked up story, this is the one. <laughs> oh yeah, we got a fucked up story coming up, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why I got Barry White turned <laughs> for the fucked really up story, into but that too. yeah, yeah, no, no, because <laughs> you, you know going, it speaks you to me. Zoned out for a second there. No, I get into these <laughs> anyways. Um, please, fucked up story. Um, so I was in the my sister burned herself really badly while we were in the hospital, so we went to the ER, and um, we were talking to the ER nurse, and we were just telling stories, and she was telling stories about this woman who. Um, came into the ER because there was this very foul smell and she had something growing out of her vagina. Huh? Oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. wait. And it wasn't just, a child? No, just like, just, no, this was like an 80-year-old woman. This is like... <laughs> so the story goes is that apparently she um, was terrified. She thought that her uterus was falling out and she was really scared. So she put a potato up her vagina and apparently due to the dark, warm, moist place that is the vagina, this potato grew and started growing out of her vagina. Hold on a second. I have so many things I need to ask. And I, you might not have the answer because it wasn't. Probably don't. It wasn't. <laughs> are you sure you're not the potato pussy? You I'm tell not. me right now. You tell me no. you don't got a poutine growing down there Speaking right now. You got trying it one time. That's fucked up. You got the whole fryer in there too. Oh, you got the little gravy comes here and I'm here for the cheese curds. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's disgusting. Yep. Um, so now I've heard this before of women sticking things like garlic but potato uh -huh. is potato, I guess, maybe because it's like a smell absorber. It's supposed to like, you know, no, I think she was just 
garlic is is that um, antibacterial, antifungal that you're thinking is going to ha- help. Um, no, the potato was literally just to keep it in place. She was like, plug. And then she forgot about it. What are some other dangerous things people can put in their vagina that maybe are currently happening? Because I, I remember there was this like, um, there was this trend where until people started dying, of course, I hate that some of these trends, that's what it yeah. takes for people to learn the lesson, thinking yeah. that it wasn't a good idea in the first place. Like people used to soak uh, tampons in alcohol oh. and stick it in their buttholes and vaginas and all these you know, orifices just to get liquored up. And obviously people start dying and then that's when it's kind of Yeah, because it bypasses your liver. It doesn't get filtered out. Kind of nuts. Um, especially you guys are putting absolute vodka in your butt cheeks. That's disgusting Gross. to put in your stomach. Yo, if you're not filtering that shit, Seriously. oh no. I mean like Grey Goose a little bit better, but... Yeah, distilled. No, please do not. Disclaimer, do not do that. Well, I'm not going to lie. This is Diplomatico. I also have a tampon on my cheeks, so I'm lit <laughs> right now. No, I'm just playing. Um... So no, what are some other things that you're aware of that people maybe do to myths that are just sticking in their vaginas? Okay, so this is a conversation that I was having with someone recently. And then I, I don't know if it's just because it there's been an uprise or it's because it was already in my head and that just happens like that. Um, and it's not necessarily just about the vagina because it's also about the asshole. But apparently people are putting guinea pigs up and like... It's a I thing. I have heard that. You have, That's right? It's like a sex thing. What the fuck is that? I'm trying to remember which movie or cartoon that was in where the gerbil ran up the person's oh, butt. Oh, is that what it's from? And there was another gerbil in oh, there. Oh, yeah, it's gerbils. Yeah. Um, let me just quickly Google gerbils this over here. Pigs. So wait, Please so what me. What else have you heard about this, um, this gerbil butt pandemic situation? Well, it, it was another friend who was talking about one of his friends that works in the ER. And they had to remove a gerbil from... Uh, the anal canal. Now that's sick, people. Um, Please don't do that. Well, they made a parody, Dr. Seuss, where it says, there's a gerbil in my ass. But I don't remember what it, what it was um, originally from because I do remember seeing... Oh, I think it was South Park. And it was like an entire episode dedicated to just the gerbils and the butts. So like what came first? Was it the South Park episode that spawned a lot of people to do it? Or South Park takes a lot of things that are happening a little bit yeah well and that's just it i I definitely think it was something that kind of came prior but um i'm not seeing the origins of also why specifically why specifically gerbils like it's not hamsters it's not mice it's gerbils i think they're a little bit smaller than a fucking hamster no they're not well, maybe it's bigger. Mouse, you can get a feel. Oh, that I'm looking good. at like x-rays of just like people with no, gerbils in their ass. Oh, yeah. No, this shit is nasty. But anyways, um, well, aside from living creatures, because mm-hmm. I mean, we mentioned there's garlic sometimes that when we'll go in there to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. counteract whatever fungal this and that and the third. But are there any other myths of things that people just kind of stick in there or people like maybe using specific wipes that shouldn't be used? Anything that has a fragrance you shouldn't be using. Hmm. So that's huge. And like a lot of women who experience bacterial vaginosis or foul smells or yeast infections, they'll try to like clean out the inside with water and soap. And that is really detrimental. And like that can cause it to become a lot more severe. Um, so don't do that. For sure. Um, and even just like using any sort of fragrance down there can like really throw you off. So it's important to use like really gentle cleansers um, and do not insert it in any kind of way. Like it's a really powerful organ that cleans itself if you give it the proper like nourishment to actually function properly. Right. So I don't know if you can put this thing to, to rest for me because I've been I've been hearing information this way, information that way. Bath bombs. Now, from what I've heard, having bath bombs in your bathtub, maybe it's because of how fragrance-oriented they are, that they can lead to certain effects, like yeast infections and BV and stuff like that. Um, So are there any that you may know of bath bombs that might be a little bit friendlier to your vagina? First of all, I just ask, like, why are you using bath bombs? Well, it's for Instagram. Duh. And TikTok. (laughs) Do it for the gram. I mean, I don't. I've never once used a bath bomb, but like, you know, the vibes, you, you yeah, see the rainbow fun. thing, you melt it. And then all of a sudden your coochie smells a little bit off, but 
I mean, to each their own. But I'm asking you, like, is there, from what you may know of, a bath bomb? I mean, like, if you're doing it to make your bath, like, something that you enjoy and, like, that whole experience, like, use a couple drops of a decent um, essential oil, right? Like, you can throw in some, like, real lavender petals and be fucking cute. And, like, that's not going to cause you, it, I mean, make sure they're clean and not full of pesticides. But that's not going to cause you all the issues that these chemicals will, you know, like, do Epsom salt. Epsom salt is awesome because it's it is absorbed into your stream and it's magnesium. And like a lot of women are deficient in magnesium. Um, so that can actually be beneficial. I hear you speak a lot about magnesium and I can say yeah. me personally, my only real experience with magnesium is as of recent, I used to use just melatonin, right? Now I use like this magnesium melatonin yeah. hybrid and I can say that my sleeps are a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, what are some effects of either magnesium deficiency um, and what are some natural things that people can look towards to be able to incorporate more, more magnesium in their day to day? Yeah. So magnesium is really cool. It has over 300 metabolic reactions in the body. Um, and two of the, like the, the largest ones that are, um, really prevalent are, it has like nerve tranquilizing and muscle relaxing effects. Um, so that's why you're taking it at night because if you're taking it during the day, like it'll have those effects. You might feel lethargic or like a little bit too loose, but if you're taking it at night, um, it helps you sleep better and it helps you truly relax and like be able to recuperate and, um, refresh yourself a lot better. Um, symptoms of magnesium deficiency are like, if you have muscle spasms, um, that's a huge one that you can, that shows. Um, also for women, if they have like bad PMS symptoms or cramping, um, if you're craving chocolate, if you have like a really dire craving for chocolate, that is a, like, that's a sign that you have a magnesium deficiency. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, because I definitely do go through those cravings and I always kind of, mm -hmm. you know, put, push that more towards just needing sugar because I'm addicted to sugar as we all are. Those who mm -hmm. are on the sugar train. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So magnesium is good. Now this is a very blanket question, just very general, but is there, cause I feel like everyone is operates differently. Yeah. And especially if we're talking, you know, based on size, maybe mm -hmm. even genetic makeup, so on and so forth. But what are some like prerequisites or non-negotiables that everyone should incorporate in their diet that you feel like most people don't even think about? Um, across the board. Um, one of the biggest things is to eat at least 30 different types of plant-based fiber a week. Hmm. Um, and that sounds like a lot, but it's not, that's less than five a day. That's like one smoothie. Um, but your the gut bacteria eats fiber and the different bacteria need different types of fiber. So it's really important that you have a variety of it. Um, and that's one of the top things to do regardless. Cause also if you're getting that kind of variety and variety is really important in your diet, you're also going to end up getting a variety of different other nutrients, a variety of different phytonutrients, like, um, you know, with the green leafy vegetables and, um, like antioxidants and all of those kinds of things. So diversifying your diet to include at least 30 plant-based sources per week is top of the line. Hmm. Yeah. Plant-based sources. So give me, give me some examples just in case, you know, people are as stupid as me out there. What, what would I mean, like fruits, vegetables, right. obviously we know what those are, right? Uh, I don't know. Could you paint a picture of them? <laughs> Show me on a chart. Is so it close like, to a gerbil? I don't know. <laughs> kind of like this plant right there. All right. So eat yeah, one yeah. of those leaves a day. Eat cool. a leaf a day. Probably not that one though. Um, so obviously you have that typical of the uh, fruits and vegetables, but then that also includes like nuts and seeds and legumes and grains. Um, so I love how you call legumes because... Do you call them legumes? No, because I'm French. Beans. So legumes just means vegetables. Just vegetables. Legume. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, whenever yeah. I hear legumes, I'm like, what is that different? Isn't that just a vegetable? What is specifically a legume? Beans. Beans, like lent. I, it, if it the doesn't name is sense. beans, call them beans. What's it? I think you need a minute. Do you need a minute? So, okay. So what would you, what would you classify as a bean and what would you classify as a legume? Um, a legume. So a peanut is a legume. Um, okay, no, hold on, 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 hold on. You mean to tell me? I mean, it is legume. That yeah. in a Snickers bar, there's chocolate, there's caramel, and there's legumes. Yeah. Nah, this is too much. I refuse to believe yeah. any of this. Yeah. yeah that made me very upset. Like, I can I'm actually sorry. feel myself shaking should, right maybe now. Maybe we should move on from the legume conversation. All right. 
So, okay, so incorporate some legumes in your motherfucking diet, ladies and gentlemen, Um, and do not incorporate legumes in your vocabulary because that shit is nonsense. But uh, But speak multiple languages, that would be good. Legumes. (laughs) I don't know why that just bothered me so much, but anyways. (laughs) um, Okay, so incorporate that in your diet, um, some plant-based stuff. Now, are there some things that maybe we're all very accustomed to and maybe like subconsciously we don't realize how detrimental these things mm-hmm. are for us? But is there like something that just keeps popping up? Like if ever somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, I'm you know going through X, Y, and Z. And then you might ask a follow-up question like, well, what is it that you have in your diet currently? And then they're like, whoa, no, ketchup. I didn't realize that was the biggest thing. Like, is there one thing that might be very common that people aren't, aren't even I mean, aware of? There's is, tons but- of things. Like the standard American diet is the sad diet. Well, we're not talking about American diets. Well, what cause... do you think? Canadian diets are also very similar to that. It's all like the processed food. It's like the refined grains. Like, And it's also, it sucks because we're not given the opportunity to um, really learn about nutrition, which I think is a huge um, downfall, but also strategic uh, for big pharma and, and everything else. And like doctors aren't taught very much about nutrition, which again, shocking, but whatever it's something that is a thing um no i'm aware i've seen some docs uh, i mean uh, granted again every documentary you have to take with a grain of salt because there's a lot of different agendas b- behind some of them but that is one thing that was a little bit concerning for me and mm-hmm. then i asked m- my friends who were in that field and they're like yeah that's there's a lack of education when it comes to nutrition and it's very yeah. um reactive as opposed to proactive exactly. i think is, totally. is where medicine is currently at so but what okay so obviously aside from the you know fast food and like that kind of stuff but like is there something that might be in your diet that you don't realize is actually harming you like even something as simple as just like milk right yeah that was what i was gonna say so aside from that like gluten so the rise in uptake of like why gluten is so bad and why have why it's become this like new thing that like gluten-free and all of that kind of stuff is because most of the um sources that we're getting it from like most of the wheat is sprayed with um, glyphosate and chemicals and GMO to a point that it's um, like your body is reacting to it, right? So most sources of gluten, like most people can't tolerate it anymore because of the additional um, pesticides and all that kind of stuff. But then you also have dairy and it's something like only 3% of the population can actually tolerate um, dairy after infancy because um, the sugars in dairy, like lactose need to be broken up. Um, and most people don't have that, um, like enough of those enzymes to really help you out. And then also because of what the cows are being fed, the conditions that the cows are in, um, and the way that it's processed, like there's, it's inflammatory. So, okay. So, and here's the thing too, is I, I guess I'm not very familiar with because all the terms that come out now, it's just, it's very hard to kind of keep track, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got somebody who could be gluten intolerant, someone mm-hmm. else who's lactose intolerant, someone who could be both. And then you've got me who just has IBS, mm. right? So I eat anything and all of a sudden my mm-hmm. body is just like, ha <laughs> <laughs> hey, you see that washroom over there? <laughs> We're going to be real friendly. Now, <laughs> is there something like a, somewhat of a cheat code for people who have irritable bowel syndrome? Uh, or you're just fucked. You're, you're, no, I don't think you're just fucked. I I think that with the right protocol, you can do it. Obviously, my main focus is on menstrual health, so I don't. I feel like it's a little bit beyond my scope of practice to be like this, that, and the other. Um, but a lot of nutritional science comes down to being to having the correct. Um, it's like healing your body and then being able to incorporate more things into it. Hmm. It's like everything that we eat has an immediate and an accumulative effect on us. Um, so just because you're not reacting to something right away doesn't mean it's not affecting you in the long term, especially if you're continuously consuming it. Um, but with things like IBS and other like gut health issues, um, there's a lot of really beneficial things that you can do to like erase all the things that are triggering you. And then actually heal your system and then be able to like slowly incorporate those things a little bit more and a little bit more. And I've, I've kind of attempted this in different ways by kind of attempting different diets. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went vegan for a few months. I really enjoyed physically how I felt Mm -hmm. the only downside to it. And I think obviously this was 
2017. So we've actually come a long way in the last four years, almost five years in the availability of certain things in, in the realm of vegan. Mm -hmm. But what I found was mentally I was lacking. So I would try to substitute with different vitamins like B12 and you know, all these different things. And I still kind of felt like I was a little bit loopy. And then when I slowly integrated meat back into my diet, that's when I started to feel okay up here, but then Hmm. physically kind of gross again. So I just kind of couldn't find that balance. So I've also tried a completely carnivore diet and felt, and which sounds fucked up, but I felt great off of it. I felt more energetic. Yeah. How long did you do it for? Um, I want to say I gave it a a solid two months before I missed carbs again. Uh Uh-huh. Um, but now. It's dangerous, by the way. Totally. I I can completely (laughs) imagine. I can completely imagine that that would be dangerous. And I think, um, where people who kind of lean towards those types of diets is maybe because they're just so accustomed to eating meat that they're that the thought of cutting everything out except for meat is seems more enticing but in reality we know that there's obviously dangerous repercussions with everything but what is like if i'm starting today right Mm -hmm. i want to eat better and you don't know anything about my body or kind of the things that i'm currently putting into it or how my body reacts to certain things or whatever but like what's a decent roadmap of things that usually would be safe for most people um again like uh, i never tell people to be a vegan like i don't necessarily think that that is what you should do or that's what you need to do um but it's interesting when you like talk to people and you hear like the juxtaposition between like meat and non-meat and it's like non-meat seems like this crazy thing that like, oh, you're, you're eating, you're a rabbit, you're eating carrots. And I'm like, that's ignorance, by the way. Um, but it's incor- like it's important to incorporate both. So like you do not need to eat meat every day. You do also the level of um, protein that most people think that they need is far beyond what we actually need. And that can cause a lot of stress in the body because it goes through a process called uh, gluconeogenesis. And actually the protein just turns into sugars anyways. Mm. So that's a huge strain on your liver and your kidneys and really detrimental to your health. So if you're consuming way too much, especially um, animal-based meat, that's really dangerous. Also, um, animal meat contains heme iron, um, which is easier absorbed, but can lead to toxicity a lot faster. Um, so if I would say anything is just incorporate more fruits and vegetables. I'm going back to the 30, 30 different types of plant-based fiber. Cause every, every plant has fiber in it. Um, meat doesn't have fiber in it. Um, but every plant has fiber in it. So just incorporate 30 different types of plant-based fiber, like in your meals, um, like a good balanced plate is a fiber, a fat, a protein, and that's pretty much what you need. Hmm. Throw in some carbs every once in a while. Throw in some like starchier carbs every once in a while. But like... And are there some carbs that are are better for you than others? I mean, obviously the answer is yes, but uh, like what would be an example of like a good carb? Like would that be like a rice? when, When we think about carbs in like just general terms, we automatically go to like those white carbs bread yeah but like by the way broccoli is a carb blueberries are a carb like spinach is a carb right so it's you know we have to put that into perspective um but if we're doing like if we're going that like white carb route um and like more refined carb route um what i suggest which is really cool is so white potatoes pasta and rice if you cook it and then let it cool completely and then reheat it, it actually becomes a resistant starch. So it goes through your body pretty much undigested and becomes like a fiber um, that your good bacteria ends up eating. So, okay, that's interesting Mm -hmm. because there's, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's gluten in, let's say, pasta. Pasta, Okay, so would that not still give you, like how does that just run through your system like as if it's relatively undigested if there's all these things that typically would cause your body to be like, uh, uh. I mean, like the gluten is a different issue. Um, and it, I don't necessarily recommend totally cutting out gluten, but it is a thing that most people have way too much of in their diet and that causes a lot of reactions. So if you notice that you're reacting to gluten, don't like stay away from it. And especially if you're having a lot of symptoms like, um, 
you know, like yeast infections or a lot of acne, um, or you have like a white tongue. That's a, a sign of, um, a yeast overgrowth called candida. And that is like really off, like feeds off of, um, like white carbs and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so, okay. So in terms of while we're, we're talking about how, you know, cause I've seen some of these white tongues and I'm like, bruh, and I, and I, I'm mm. relatively familiar with what candida is. Um, but what are some things that we put in our bodies digestively that affect breath, right? Where people now have, you know, halitosis or just I, I, obviously I'm still stuck on fragrances, but, um, but you know, sometimes it, it could just be that like someone doesn't, you know, floss or whatever. And it's just coming from that enter that, yeah. that immediate area. But sometimes though, there's that the gut fragrance. The- so what are some things that might be causing that, that dragon breath <laughs> where it's just like, <laughs> there you go. Um, I mean, there could be a bunch of different different things involved in that. Like you could, again, bacterial overgrowth, especially, um, but you could have an issue with your, um, like the acid in your stomach, hydrochloric acid, um, that could also cause things. Also food combining is important, um, for a lot of people if they have difficulties digesting things. Um, cause like carbs and proteins, um, and fats are all digested differently. Um, so if you're consuming a lot of protein with like really starchy vegetables or a starchy carb, um, they're getting digested at different points in time. Um, and they need different levels of stomach acid. So you can either start fermenting the food, the carbs in your stomach, cause there's too much acid there, or there's not enough acid and the protein goes undigested into your gut. And then that like causes ruptures and like, um, can lead to like leaky, leaky gut, um, which we don't want that. Um, yeah, anything leaky in that general area doesn't sound like it'd be a good thing. What are some of the effects of leaky gut? Like what happens? So what leaky gut is, is pretty much like your, your intestines are like kind of like Velcro. And sometimes that like Velcro breaks a little bit and like food particles will escape into the rest of your system. Um, and then that causes like a really inflammatory response and that can lead to, not just like physically of the bloating and the really discomfort and the foul smells, but also like brain fog and cognitive issues too. Um, and then also systemic issues everywhere else. Cause like if you're generally inflamed, which a lot of people because of their diet have like a general inflammation, um, it can be really detrimental and lead to like a lot worse issues and like lowered immune systems. How important is nutrition in dating? Um, very important. Okay. So what are some, like, let's say for example, <laughs> the reason I bring this up. It's just important in general. So I guess it's important Correct. in dating too. Okay. So I'm speaking specifically <laughs> about you, right? So let's yeah. say you were to go out on a date with someone, right? Uh-huh. What is like an eating habit or something that they are, you know, adamant that they like to incorporate? So whether it be like, you know, sauce or salt or whatever, or just like, I need to have a steak every four hours. Like what is a non-negotiable that you've had to be like, I'm sorry, you seem like a great person, but no, dietarily wise. Interesting. I don't think I've ever had that issue. Um, Like I'm in a committed monogamous relationship now. So there's I don't really have to think about that. But are there any things that they do that you're just like, I wish this person didn't do that? Um, no, I don't think so. Not at least in the dietary. I mean, no, but like not in the dietary um, thing. Um, the, the big issue that I do have is I'm really sensitive to sounds. Probably in the same that like you're sensitive to fragrances. I'm really sensitive to sounds. Um, so if someone is like chewing like a... Oh, no. So you're not into ASMR? No, no. No, it makes me uncomfortable. Have you ever seen those like mukbang videos? Yeah, it makes me really uncomfortable and I do not enjoy. Yeah, I don't know why people are into that. I mean, I, I, I'll i put it this way. So I don't know if you've kind of like just kind of scrolled through TikTok or Twitch or any of these applications where they have like random lives that are mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. I was I was looking for someone's Twitch stream and then 
caught this woman who, you know, she was attractive. She was in like some scantily clad outfits. Didn't really know what was going on. I clicked on it just out of curiosity. Mm. Turns out she was out here licking microphones, doing ASMR. She was like, <sighs> oh, I'm going to need to remove my headphones. <laughs> no, please stop. <laughs> Like, not, no, no, definitely no. Um, It's really gross. I have this really, really intense thing with nail picking. Mm. Um, So if I hear people picking their nails, it sends this visceral reaction through me that like, I literally, I seize up. It's really bad. Like if I hear it on the subway, I will literally walk away. Don't fucking do it. (laughs) I'm already getting uncomfortable thinking about it. I'm just playing. Um, okay, so definitely like the nails on the chalkboard shit probably drives you up the wall too. Yes, yes. But the nail picking and it's like just the flicking, like a, like those ones. Mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, right. look, to each their own. Like I said, me and Frags, we, we're like this. Yeah. Right? So if anything's off, like, and that's, that's my non-negotiable is like... There's certain things that I feel like we have so much control over, mm-hmm. which is why I'll actually give someone more grace for something like BV or yeast than I would someone who's just got like smelly breath, smelly bits, any, anything that you can manage within the day that you're just like maneuvering on or whatever. And if you're like, I mean, smelly breath, thing. also, you, it's, it might be hard to manage also because like, um, like tonsil stones can also cause really, really bad breath. What the fuck is a tonsil stone? Um, so in your tonsils, it's like you get like bacteria that kind of forms and it comes it, it like I'm trying to think of something that it would sound like, but it's this little white, not stone, like it's soft. Um, it's kind of like a yeast infection, kind of cottage cheesy thing. Um, but they smell really, really bad. So how does one end up getting a tonsil stone? Um, cause I've gotten, I've gotten gallstones. I think when I was really young, younger than I mean, you should, when it's you, just called a tonsil stone, it's not well, like right. I mean, even gallstones like, and everything else is usually like a calcium buildup or like a mineral right. buildup. This isn't a, this is a bacterial buildup. Hmm. Um, and I think like, I think it's, uh, smokers have it. I think like the dryness, if there's a lot of dryness, um, but yeah, I don't really so it's not from like someone just, you know, thinking, ah, I got no gag reflex or like, ah, 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 on a, on a, I mean, it could, wood. if you have, if you got some like BV or it translated, you got a yeast infection and then stuck it, it could, it could. Yo, if you guys are out here, let me, let me find out one of you has oh. just gotten yourself BV in your neck. Let me find oh. out one of you's just got that yeasty neck. That's crazy. So I mean, look, I'm not here to shame anyone. If you got those tonsil stones, please go and get that treated somehow. But anyways, um, I've taken up too much of your time. Please <laughs> let us right know now. where people can find you, what you're currently pushing. If there's any way that people can tap into you, your socials and all that kind of stuff, let us know how we can find you. Yeah. So, I mean, my website is NicoleBendan.com. You can reach me, Nicole, at NicoleBendan.com. Um, I blew the fuck up on TikTok. We love TikTok. That was, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Gaining... 640,000 followers within less than a month. Bam, bam. Look um, at you. That's wild. viral. Oh, yeah. I went hella viral. Like one of the videos hit 10 million and it just. You know like, what it is about TikTok? Shit. I've had this love hate relationship, but like for what it is that you do, because you're really mm-hmm. great at like creating these slides, you know, you're very outgoing in these like short little videos that you'll put up on your social media. Thank I you. feel like anything that's informative like that, like whether it be horoscopes or mm-hmm. nutrition and stuff like that, you can condense in these small videos. I find that those really take off. But mm-hmm. yeah, good for you that you, you've you. gotten your TikTok um, virality. Yeah. Um, what else? Is there. Because I sometimes see like you got like little programs and stuff that you might need. Yeah. So I actually just released my program, um, which is a 12 module course. Because uh, I really believe that the the only way that you're going to stick to something and like actually be able to continue to do it for the rest of your life is if you're educated on it. Um, so I really wanted to, I pretty much accumulated the last year and a bit's worth of research into this 12 module course so that women have that um, resource to be able to really understand themselves, connect with themselves Um, and also like understand themselves so that if there's any cues that your body tells you, you have a resource to go back to, to know what to do. Um, and then walks you through it. So it's like basics of nutrition fitness, but then goes like really in depth about cycle syncing, um, as well as like gut health and, um, fertility and preventing pregnancy and like managing, um, menstrual related issues. So that is my major thing. Um, and 
I think I'm going to be opening that up again shortly. Um, yeah. So I would love for you to connect whoever is listening, connect with me. Um, all 12 of us. Yeah. Hi, I can name you all. Um, but no, so there's already a book called vagina Bibles, but you should definitely take the coochie Bible and put out a book called the coochie Bible because I'll definitely, I should. I'll take that in. But either way, I thank you very much. Did I miss, did you miss something? Well, did I cut you off too soon? Yeah, you did. Okay, cool. Keep going. Um, I just said TikTok and didn't tell you how to find me on TikTok. We don't need to find you on TikTok. You're viral. <laughs> what are we talking about here? I already added it right here. You see right it right here? here? It's right here. It? I'm actually holding yes. your TikTok handles. There you go. Uh, and my TikTok and my Instagram handle are the same. Uh, Nicole.Bendion. Bam, bam. Is there anything else? Uh, I can make some stuff up. No. No? No, I'm just going. Go ahead. If you got some shit, no, plug I don't. yourself. I don't. I don't. If, if anyone made it to an hour, it was because of you, not because of me. <laughs> so this is your, your time to shine. So. It's all your sound effects. No, that's, that's how you find me. Cool. Well, I do appreciate your time today. Very informative. I felt like I learned something. Hopefully everyone else did as well. And uh, I'm going to see you all next week. Make sure you tap in with Nicole Bendayan. Bye.